Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. Before we get started today, this is John. Our conversation today didn't just launch out into something like it normally does. This was one of those ones that usually I edit a little bit more or, you know, find a, a good jumping in point and then kind of edit together like you can't quite tell, although sometimes I'm sure you can. In this episode, I do a lot of the talking and reflecting, and so this was a conversation that Greg and I had talked about, Greg had really wanted to have. It just kind of came out of a uh, conversation that we were having one night uh, a few weeks ago. And so we kind of get, it kind of gets off to a little bit of a slow start, but I think if you hang with us, it warms up and actually does go somewhere. So the other disclaimer that I would add here too is these are just my thoughts and feelings today, now, and if you check back with me uh, a week, month, year, five years, 10 years from now, uh, it will be important to say, where are you now? Are you where you were in that conversation or are you somewhere else? So I think that's an important thing for all of us. So here we go. Wow, I can't quite explain that. But yeah, the God, God could, God is here somewhere. So it's that, it's that not wanting to be nailed down in a point in time because I said something on the internet on March 5th, 2017. That, okay. Does that make any sense? It does, and that's actually clearer than than that's a not no, no, saying clear. It's just different. It's a slightly different than what you initially said. Because I was going to say, what would happen? What would be the bad part if somebody did go away? You know, I don't know if you can prevent somebody from going away with a particular idea, even if it's you think it's, and I think it's a misconception. Yeah, and no, and that's well, that's bound to happen anywhere, anytime. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would be the bad part about that? What what makes that something you don't want? Uh, it's the, by the way, this I to, I readily admit that like I think my my thoughts on this are they're confused and tangled up and oh some to untangle. Oh yeah, definitely. There, no, there's yeah no. I'm sure that I'm sure that as what we talk, there's something there's some wires that are not connected together the right way here. Okay. Um, I I think it's the. Yeah, yeah, it's something about the permanency. Uh, no, I'm losing it now. Can, can I just make a little side comment here? I yeah. don't, this may not be helpful, but it may be helpful. It, it's First of all, I think we should probably be recording this. We are, we are. All right. So it's strange to me to see you... Um, so unclear what? on something? <laughs> So unclear on yourself. And, you know, sometimes you'll say something and then you'll come back and say, oh, okay, let, let's kind of like shape it this way. Let's kind of contour it that way. And, and that I see a lot. But I don't often see you, the combination of hesitant and even kind of not having a sense of how you want to describe yourself where you want to ballpark yourself. I don't often see that. So I, I wonder mm, about like, that. I wonder what like, the significance of that is. In other words, that I'm that I'm not willing to pick a particular camp to live in? Well, I don't know if it's willing or able. I, I don't know what it is uh, yet, but um, it's unusual. It's not my typical experience of you. Hmm. So I wonder if that means anything or if it just means... Yeah, this is a little trickier, or you know, haven't really put the time in that I have on other things, and so it's harder for me to come up with something, you know, generally concise right away. Yeah, there's something. There's something. I probably need to hire a coach. There's something. <laughs> there's something. I know a good one. There's something about not wanting to be nailed down on this. I think it held. Yeah. Who who might hold you? Something. Am I going to hold you to something? No, it's it's some unknown, unseen person on the internet. That five years from now, will listen to whatever I said today, and it's it's the notion of having regrets, it be having the notion of regret of having 
it's the notion of having regret shared some shared so personally and so honestly. That's that's the that's kind of the oh. crux of it, and I don't know why, but it's it's just a sense of like, oh, I'm going to really put everything here out on the table versus, oh, we're just going to go through an article and talk about how stupid it is and how it doesn't make any sense and how this causes problems <laughs> for other people. <laughs> okay, but uh, let me let me push back a little bit. How is that not putting a lot of stuff on the table? How is that latter thing, talking about an article, talking about what doesn't work about it, why why it's irritating, what's because it's because it's because the focal point is something else, not me. Right, but I never get the sense when we're talking about those things that you aren't quite committed to your viewpoints. And so I think I'm always seeing you. You you always show up. And I think that there's a degree, in other words, of authenticity, if I can use that word, that at least when I listen or re-listen to the podcasts, because I've got to make the notes up, I'm always struck by it. It's a constant. And it's one of the things I love about what we do. And so I see you showing up all the time. But how is this different? I feel like I'm holding, I feel like the positions I hold in this arena I mm-hmm. feel like I'm holding them tentatively. I'm holding them in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, someone puts a gun to my head and says, do you believe this is true? Mm-hmm. I feel like I would say, I don't know. And what's unfair about that? Well, you're supposed to know. Or that's what that's what I've kind of, you know, in other words, I've... It's so funny. It's like, I was thinking, you know, happy birthday, by the way. (laughs) I was thinking about, you know, like how old we're both getting. And I was thinking, you know, I only feel like I'm about 29 or 30. Right. (laughs) I don't want to say my age right now. I don't know why, but I don't feel as old as I am. And yet it's kind of like by this age, like you're quote, supposed to have everything figured out. And, um, I lost my thought again. Where was I going? Well, you had a couple supposed to's in there. Yeah, there's really close to should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, the whole supposed to should, it's, I guess it's the notion that in my Christian experience, I can't recall many, if any, experiences of being in a formal church setting. Mm-hmm. or a academic setting that was also Christian, where mm-hmm. there were any doubts, where there were any, eh, not really sure about this. I might get rid of it. I'm, you know, that there was, there was, there was always a level of very strong certainty and assumption that it was true and that everyone else around you believed it. Now, okay, some now people, we... some people definitely were not living it per se, mm-hmm. but in terms of vocally expressing doubts or this doesn't make sense or this isn't totally real for me or whatever, no. Mm-hmm. I think it feels uncomfortable to do that for me to do that publicly. Okay. And if I understand you, if you said you're talking about your past just there, is it that you, John, always had a high sense of certainty and or that, that that was expected of you or that was just the the understood norm of F across the board? I feel like that was kind of the understood norm and kind of the culture. Okay. And and there was also a sense that there was it was it was part of being part of the tribe. The tribe right. the tribe believes this, practices that. And that's what we do. And so I think where this leads from the conversation that we were having uh, a few weeks ago Mm. was I feel like when I went to Labrie in 1998, Mm -hmm. I threw away a lot of stuff that wasn't Christianity. Right. Then I stayed on with Labrie in an administrative capacity, doing financial stuff, 
So just to be really clear, it wasn't on staff. Um, mm-hmm. I did financial stuff. I stuck around. I was still interested in like kind of replacing what I had thrown out. Mm-hmm. But since that time, I don't know that I ever really have. And so I feel like with the podcast, you and I just started another round in 2013, I think it was, mm-hmm. of hauling more stuff out to the dumpster. <laughs> okay. And so in some ways, I'm getting to my point eventually here. In some ways, it's like we've hauled even more stuff out to the dumpster and now the notion is, well, now that I've like cleaned out all the stuff that doesn't fit in my house, now there's nothing inside the house. If we, it, To push the metaphor forward, there's nothing left in the house. Like the house is empty. There's no couch. There's no light. There's like one light standing in the middle of the living room. But other than that, there's like no furniture. There's nothing because we've just like taken it all out of the house. And okay. my culture... My Christian culture would say, well, now you've got to, you've got to put something in that house so that you can go to heaven, so that you can have a more satisfying life, so that you, you know, you ultimately need to know God. And that's what you, you should be doing. Okay. And not having gone to church now for the last track of how many years is it? Five? I'll say five. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I was doing all that stuff because I should and because I thought there was something there. Mm -hmm. And on most days, I still think that there probably is something there, not necessarily at church, but Mm -hmm. with God. Right. I look at the the universe and it's kind of mind-boggling when you... You know, I spend all my day in tech. I spend all my days in technology and virtual work environments. I work remotely, mm-hmm. and so there, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of it, it's almost like the Matrix, or you know, it's like so much <laughs> happens it's not quite real. But then, you know, occasionally I'll see one of those news stories from NASA or something, and I'll look at some of those pictures, or I'll read these stories about what they're discovering about stars and other planets, and you look at like how vast the universe is. I just can't wrap my head around the belief that this is all just like some explosion in outer space and just an, like it is too complicated and too like mind boggling, mind boggling, mind bogglingly. (laughs) It's so complex that, that to say it was just an accident just doesn't compute to me Mm -hmm. to say that something created it makes a tiny bit more sense, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but how would they do that? So I think where I find myself today is, and again, I want to say in this present moment, because it could change tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, I find myself kind of at a, at a, I don't know if it's a plateau. I don't know what, yeah, a plateau, maybe the plateau is a good way of describing it, where I'm just kind of here. Mm -hmm. And, there are so many other things right now that are more interesting, engaging, mm. passionate. Well, it's it's one really big thing actually. It's so it's coaching. I mentioned somewhere along the lines I'm working on a coaching certification. As right. part of that certification, I have to have a number of paying clients, and I have to get a certain number of hours. And every week, I go to a number of hours of phone calls where I'm getting trained, where I'm practicing. So it's just, it's super intensive. It's super, uh, I'm growing a ton personally as a mm-hmm. result. Mm-hmm. I'm like sharpening a skill that I didn't even know I had. Nice. Like, like a skill that's like really natural in a way that mm-hmm. I would say very few of the skills in my life have been natural. Like where, it's like not. It's like when I threw a baseball for the first time, it was not something that came naturally, <laughs> or okay. any any sport for that matter, uh, or any other thing that I've done in my life. But when I started doing coaching, all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, this like I'm not having the same challenges that other people around me are having. I have my own definitely, but right. there's more of this that has come naturally to me than anything else I've done, and so I'm finding a lot of enjoyment, satisfaction, 
challenge, hard work, but the hard work is paying off. And mm-hmm. so I find myself more and more immersed in this kind of world of like helping people and seeing their lives change and seeing progress and all this other stuff. And so as we were talking a few weeks ago, you know, and I was saying, I don't know if we were talking about the podcast or God or something, but I was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to do with it next. And it's Mm -hmm. not that I'm done with it, but in terms of my interest and, and what I'm thinking about and all those other things, it's definitely in this other area right now. Right. Well, that's good. That's good. I want to go back to a couple comments you made a little earlier and maybe just to take, let's say we've got a bulletin board here. I want to pin some things to the bulletin board Um, because you talked about the tribe and the, the, you know, the sense I get is uh, you're not part of this tribe anymore. And I I had that sense Maybe that's not in in any way a new thing to say or something. uh, It is and it isn't. Okay. In other words, mm, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Finish your question. Well, no, no. no. You go ahead with that one because the question is coming in a different direction. So the yeah, that I feel like with the tribe thing, I feel like I kind of I I uh, admittedly have it both ways. In other words, okay. If if I'm just in my normal everyday life. Say my coaching life, my uh, full-time job life, my podcast production life, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm me. But if I mm-hmm. enter back into a, say, family setting, or, I don't know, say there were to be a, a funeral or something like that, like suddenly I'm like right back into that environment, and right. I, I'm just kind of right back into it. Okay. And so that means that what's the difference though now? I feel like when I go back to, I feel like when I go back to the quote tribe environment, mm-hmm. I'm I'm more under the radar in terms of I feel like in those environments it's just kind of assumed and I could be totally wrong. I could check in with some of those people. I feel like mm-hmm. it's I feel like when I'm with the tribe it's just assumed that I'm still like who they thought mm-hmm. I was all this time. You're st- you still got your membership card. Yeah, and I still, I you know, I still hold to the tenets of the tribe. Right. Whereas now for you, that's more of a, of a um, tension or? I feel like the jury's still out. Okay. The, the jury is still out in the sense of, I'm, <laughs> I want to be in the tribe per se. Maybe I want to be in a different tribe or a tribe with like half of what this tribe has. I'm not sure what the where that goes but okay i want to be i want to be in a tribe where i can read the bylaws and agree not only agree to every single tenant mm-hmm. but but believe them so much that i would want someone else to believe them and have the same thing because right. supposedly that's one of the core tenets of christianity is that it's life changing life giving all these other things, and if that's the case, and that's what's happening for people in that tribe, why wouldn't why wouldn't want to give that to other people? Right. Now, wow. I will I will say though <laughs> that I'm definitely exceeding the, the carry on baggage limit here on this topic because you know my background was also you know, the Great Commission, and you have to fulfill it, and if you're not, you're a bad person. You're a bad Christian, you're sinning, whatever. Okay. So, which caused a lot of tension, because like, oh, so I'm supposed to be telling people about this thing that I'm not sure that I believe. Right. So that I'm still in the, in the yeah. Well, the, this is really interesting, because when you um, talk about that sense of wanting... I mean, I could hear it two ways. One is, it's the echoes of your past saying, you've got to do this. You've got to be part of this tribe, and you've got to be promoting the tribe values. But on the other hand, I could also hear it as, this thing's got a road test well. And you know what? I'm taking it 
according to as best as you, as I can see it, as best as you can see it, you're taking it according to its claims, saying that these are part of the claims of what it is to be connected with this way of seeing the world, with to be embracing this. And if it's you're going to embrace it, you're going to embrace it because it makes sense, and because it works, because it's authentic. And personally, I see it more the latter way. I, I could understand how there could be a, um, a tension to see it the former way and that there could be some confusion even at different times, even if you do choose the latter. But I think choosing to see it as you want something that test drives well, that reconciles with what you know you experience in your life, and you want it to be authentic. I, I think those things are really significant. I, I wanted to take you back to the house analogy. So you've got the tribe, you've got a house. You've taken a lot of things out of that house. I wonder if the very house that you have is still... <laughs> we need to blow it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> We need I to don't... just demo the house. <laughs> okay, so there's... The Start new, over there's... again? I really like this analogy. <laughs> well, there's, there's the tiny house movement. Right there's there are people who live in houses yeah. that are what two hundred square feet, three hundred square feet, something like that, four hundred square feet with a loft. And I guess when you describe taking out furniture and you describe this process, the way this occurs to me, and, and please let me know if this you know resonates with you or makes sense, is that there are the, the the conditions or the terms, if you like, the terms of the discussion, the terms of how you're supposed to going, going, be going about things or the bylaws, these are set by the tribe. And I question whether the tribe has the right to um, unilaterally set those terms or bylaws. It certainly has the right to set them. Or to claim them. I mean, we, we can all do that. But I think what I wonder whether I'm hearing is even in living in that house, the house that you have is still a product of the terms or bylaws set by the tribe. And I don't know about blowing something up so much as maybe restructuring it. But in order to restructure it, I think that would have to be, again, a little more looking, a little more examining and kind of um, unearthing, well, how was this house built? What are these bylaws and terms that the tribe may have imposed on you, John, or imposes on everyone who comes into it to say the house has to be this big, has to look sort of like this and has to be roughly this full and here's the stuff that goes into it. And I keep what I keep hearing from you is um, you are willing to acknowledge the claims of, for example, here we're talking about Christianity. I don't hear you saying, you know, those claims aren't important. Or, you know, I'm totally confused about what those claims are. No idea. No idea anymore. I can no longer trust that what I heard from the tribe makes any sense at all, has any relation to, you know, what I should be believing. Um, but on certain things, I hear a fair bit of clarity. And again, I'm just hearing a lot of uh, willingness to allow the particular nature of those claims, on the one hand, to be to stand. And on the other hand, you're saying, okay, but if they're going to stand, and this is where you're, you know, I'm hearing you speak particularly, not the tribe, they have to make sense. They have to integrate. They have to, and I'm using some of my words here, right? But how much does that make sense? It makes, yeah, it makes it, what's funny is I, there's another coaching thing there that's at least as interesting to me. The, so people often ask, what's the difference between coaching and therapy? Mm -hmm. And, and with, what it, what's interesting to what you're saying is, so, so the therapy approach would say, let's understand the present. Let's understand this house mm -hmm. in light of really going into the past, Mm -hmm. Really try to connect the dots between the past and the present. Mm -hmm. Coaching would just say, this is the present. What do you want the future to look like? Mm -hmm. And so in that, when, mm -hmm. as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know what? For me, 
and maybe it's short-sighted, but for me, at this stage in my life, I'd rather just like just level everything so that all we have is a piece of land and just start mm-hmm. over. <laughs> I like that. In other words, what is the value? I mean, yeah, there's some value. There is some value, and I think for some, this is where the house analogy falls apart. I think for some life experiences, you absolutely do need to go backwards and figure out and connect the dots and understand stuff. Mm-hmm. But you can do that forever and mm-hmm. never make changes, never move forward. Right. And that's what I love about coaching is it moves stuff forward mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Hopefully to that place that you want to get. And sometimes right. you're not even clear where you want to get. And so in talking to you, it could be that I'm not even clear where I want to go. Well, you seem to be clear about a couple of things, right? You seem to be clear about wanting it to make sense in light of your lived reality, and which assumes too that your lived reality has a has has a degree of sense to it. Right? <laughs> that could be and, a big assumption. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, but I know it. you pretty well, so. But here, this is an interesting point you've made, and and what I would say is, if I were talking to most people, I would say be very careful about leveling that house outright. Because I think the analogy holds, you've got to have some place to live. You're going to knock this thing down, what are you going to, where are you going to sleep tonight? Mm. Right? And, Fair and point. I think, I think the other point about that is, if you don't understand where you've come from, it can be very hard once you build uh, something new to resist the temptation when something else new comes along to say, oh, well, this is even better. Right? And now I've got this other, other um, worldview perspective that's even better in front of me. So let's get rid of this new tiny house that I just built, and we're going to go in this other direction. So for most people, I would say, beware, because if you don't look back enough, if you don't understand the current structure you're in, the current thinking or belief structure, worldview structure, why it came about. You know, not, not you, you don't have to research the whole thing like crazy. Some people, some of us do. I agree with you. Some of us do. Um, most of us don't. But if you, I think you have to research it enough normally to be able to resist a third or fourth or fifth sort of coming about. Of, of, of another presentation, another viewpoint, another perspective. I think the reason I'd be less worried about that with you is because we've had a lot of interaction and you've put in an awful lot of thought, right? I think you've already assessed in many regards what your world looks like, what what sort of, you know, these pieces of furniture yeah, then it just wake up. Taken out. <laughs> You've been paying attention as they've been going out the door. You could you could tell me a lot about each one of them, right? So if somebody comes back and says, "Listen, I got a whole package for you, John. It's got all this great furniture." You're gonna be like, "Holy crap! That's the stuff I had before. That's just kind of repackaged over there and over there." So you put in the time. Right? Yeah, I didn't you just really wake up one morning and go buy a case of dynamite. <laughs> well, no, and you didn't just wake up one morning and start moving stuff out the door, right? You you kind of you you sat on it. You've kind of tried to make it work. And then eventually you've got rid of a bunch of stuff. My hunch is there's probably more than just a light bulb in your house. Well, no, and this is this is an interesting tie-in or uh, tangent to another topic that that mm. floats around. I think this whole thing, which is, and you mentioned other worldviews, uh, you know that that I'm not like completely against the tribe. Mm. This is this is something that puzzles me. And this actually comes up in some of my coaching work too, which is there was such a strong sense that was rooted in me that I embraced whatever around that you can only have the best life possible if it involves God. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm surrounded by people that that doesn't appear to be anywhere on their radar. Sometimes they're very vocal about it. They're just like, yeah, not interested, doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. don't need it. And they are, appear to be living very integrated, satisfied lives. So Mm -hmm. I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That doesn't quite line up with everything that I was taught, thought was true. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I hesitate when I say that there too, because it's like, okay, how much more of my life am I going to say, well, this is what I learned growing up. <laughs> and when am I going to say, no, this is what I believe now. Uh, and that's why I think it's so funny. Yeah. To, to really not feel that old inside, but be like, yeah, I am getting kind of older. And mm-hmm. huh. so, so, so I just, I guess I would just put a little pin in the bulletin board with that one. But mm-hmm. then I would also take that same sense of, I don't know what to make of, of that. And I would take it to a church setting. So right. you got a, a, a mega church. I don't know, three, four, five thousand people that come every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're coming for some reason, aren't they? Like something must be working over there. Uh, so and but yet about- I, and yet I go, I'll, I go to that setting and, you know, after about five minutes of the music that, some of it just sounds ridiculous to me mm. <laughs> in terms of the words and what we're saying. And yes. I'm just like, um, uh, what? So, so, and then of course that just sets me off. That kind of triggers me. And then, you know, then I might listen to the message and say, well, you know, nice job basing a whole you know, 40 minute sermon around half of one verse. Nice work. <laughs> I don't buy it. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, that, that doesn't really add up. And then I'm like, yeah, enough of that. And then I'm like, yeah, but wait, like there's all these people and they're, they're totally eating it up. What, what am I missing? Right. So, but, uh, so it's like, so I've got these two. So I look at these two different things of like, what am I missing? On the one hand, there's this thing that doesn't make sense. On the other hand, it's like, well, this isn't supposed to make sense over here. But it does, you know. This person has no need for God. Has done a lot of self work. Mm-hmm. They they're very intentional. They care about other people. Mm-hmm. They take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they're successful. I think I think this is a great it's a it's a great um, model that you've constructed or an example because I, I think that's exactly what tends to be the tension. When people or Christians, people who, you know, whatever distance you are from Christianity, if you've had exposure to Christianity in a significant way, and then you begin living your life with a number of people or maybe a whole subculture of people who aren't Christian, and you begin to see that, oh, well, these aren't such terrible people, and oh, wow, these people have some pretty significant and valuable accomplishments, you know, not not just on their terms, but maybe on my terms, and maybe, maybe even in some ways on on Christianity's terms. Um, but it, it occurs to me that when you come back to this whole idea of bylaws, you've made a fundamental shift in what you consider to be a baseline for the bylaws. Right? And so when you apply Yeah, but I feel that, like I've traded them in for anarchy. Like, I don't... I feel like I've, I've... Yeah, maybe I've discarded them, but I don't feel like I've really replaced them with anything consciously. Well, but there's a fundamental assumption in any bylaw about just how how wide its remit is. Like a bylaw for a city only counts for that city. You can't go to the next city and say, well, there's a bylaw <laughs> over there. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Who cares? Different city, different bylaw. But what seems to me that you're doing is you're saying, hold on, I've got a global approach here. I have got a global requirement that any single bylaw makes sense both on its own terms. So you're looking at, for example, this idea of going forward, this Christian idea of, of promoting Christianity because it is something that is that deeply resonates with you, right? And I'm taking a very, very, um, I think it's the best interpretation of that verse. I'm also taking a very optimistic and positive interpretation, right? Because many people would say, particularly those who are somewhat disenfranchised from Christianity, would say, well, that's not why they do it. They're, they're, they're just trying to convert you to a way of thinking because um, that's what they've been told to do. And I, I think that does happen a lot, an awful lot. I think the majority of times, in fact, that people or Christians are trying to bring other people into the fold, they're doing it because it's an obligation. Yeah, there's a post Because to. it's a task. Yes, it's a task that they're supposed to do. And, and it, it just shows that, that things are working out for them rather than things are working out for me here. And therefore, why wouldn't I want to share this? Right? It's a complete shift. So when you say they've got to be there for a reason, these 3,000 people in the megachurch, they've got to be getting something out of it. Yes, but if their standards are so much lower, 
right? If they have bylaws that only affect that little city, that little area of faith, and then when they go into other areas of their lives and they they either close their eyes to the fact that when they're with non-Christians, that actually these folks aren't so bad. That actually that they these folks accomplish some things and not just on you know, sort of atheistic or agnostic terms, but maybe even on on religious and moral terms. Okay, the, the, I don't think my my senses, my hunches, right from my research and from my lived experience, there is very little integration here. And so, when you're saying these three thousand people in the megachurch are getting something out of it, I would say yes. But if your if your terms uh, and your standards are that much lower. It's really easy to get a lot out of a megachurch. When we raise the standards to your standards, and all of a sudden, you're not just in one city. Your bylaws apply to every single place. Wow. Those are some steep requirements. Right? I something about pro- that feels uncomfortable, though. <laughs> like, Tell me. Well, that makes them, I don't know. It, it makes it sound like you're making my standards sound really great, and theirs are really lame. Well, how do you? <laughs> I think, <laughs> you're yeah. like, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> I think you're going to have to, at the end of the day, you're going to have to hold a position. I'm going to, everyone's going to have to hold a position. For example, once you, if you believe that um, the experience you've had needs it needs an explanation, right? You've experienced that people outside of the church can be good enough people, or as good as people inside the church. And that they can accomplish things on moral, uh, on the moral in the moral sphere, uh, that that can match things that people in the church can achieve, and that maybe in some senses there is no difference. Maybe even you've mentioned that the people's lives outside of the church seem more together. Uh, they've done more. I'm not sure if you said self care or just self awareness or both. Self work. Yeah. Self work. Okay. I think you need an explanation for that, right? I'm not willing to let that go unexplained. And even if I my explanation isn't unanimously accepted, I don't I don't think most Christians would accept what I'm saying. But then again, when I walk into most churches and I listen to most Christians explain what the Bible means, or I, I listen to the stories about how uh, God healed this person or that person on the basis of prayer, and how they never seem to mention how. These 15 other people got prayed for and didn't get healed, or this guy didn't get prayed for at all and he did get healed. There's very, very little intellectual consistency in the way that they assess their lives or approach what they do in their lives. That is a norm I've seen across evangelical Christianity for the past 25 years. And it, there are exceptions, and I'm glad for those exceptions. But I guess what I say, what I'm saying is I see a tremendous amount of consistency and high standards in what you're proposing. And so it doesn't surprise me at all when you look at the folks in the megachurch and say they've got to be getting something out of it, and here you are with your standards and you're not getting anything out of out of that megachurch experience. That just makes sense to me. Yeah, for some reason it just still makes me uncomfortable to just say, well, I have better standards, I have higher standards, yours are lower. What's uncomfortable about that? Seems kind of judgmental, kind of, uh, I don't know, almost arrogant. Okay. Um, What are the other options? I don't know. Give me something to choose from. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, um, I guess you may disagree. I wonder if what I'm suggesting or doing in kind of summarizing your position in this way, or a position like yours, if you like, if not yours particularly, is I'm taking the analogy that you made of clearing your house out of stuff that doesn't work, and I'm taking it further. And instead of leaving you in the position, like in other words, you've already made judgments. Mm. You've already made You've not only made judgments, you've acted on them in decisive ways. Right? You have, and, and I would say, you've, you've uh, I, w- I would call that consistency. I would, I would say, and I would say that, that that's a mark of integrity. And I'm not suggesting that people in the church don't have integrity and don't have consistency. I think there's a tremendous amount of in- consistency. And I think in many cases, there's integrity. 
But I think on the on the point of integration, so what I hear you saying is there's church or religious belief and there's real life, there's existence outside of church, and these two have to mesh together. Or your word is reconcile. My word is integrate. And at the end of the day, I think what I'm calling for is, yeah, a degree of judgment. Not judgment that means condemnation, but judgment that implies the power to make decisions and then act. So judgment as decision-making and, and empowerment. To go along with that understanding and say, okay, here's why, typically, 3,000 people in this megachurch are getting a lot out of this, and here's why I'm going to go in and not. Because I'm insisting on reconciliation between life and belief. I'm insisting on integration. And I think this notion is foreign to the church. And, you know, this is my view, right? I've been, I've been hammering on this one for, for years. But. So play this out for me. So play this out for me. Like, so I was going to say pretend, but it's real. So sure. I've come to you and I'm asking you for advice. I mean, I really mm -hmm. am. Because I totally, mm -hmm. and that's how this whole thing started. Like so many years ago was like phone conversations and be like, okay, dude, what do you do with this? Like, <laughs> help me feel a little bit better over here. <laughs> um, so, okay. I love this house thing. Okay. So, so what would you recommend to someone like me? Or maybe, you know what I would love to, if there are people out there listening to this and they're just like, I'm raising my hand too with you, John, I'm right where you are. This makes sense to me or it doesn't make sense to me or... I'm just mm -hmm. as confused, but in different ways. Let mm -hmm. us know. <laughs> yeah. it, nothing makes either of our days more than getting an email from someone that says, hey, I listened to a recent episode and uh, this was super helpful. And yep. sometimes it makes our day too when they, they write and they're like, you totally missed the mark and here's why. And we sure. have Gage. something to, to uh, play with there. So, okay. I got the house. I'm... And, you know, I take your your critique to heart in terms of, hey, maybe there's more in the house than I think. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, well, I, my question was going to go two, was going to originally go one direction. The first direction it was going to go was, what would you recommend to me in terms of next steps? Do I not just take the house down to the studs, but do we just like completely clear off the lot and start over again? We're going to build a brand new foundation. We're going to tear out everything, including the the old foundation. Mm -hmm. We're going to drop new plans. We're going to lay a new, whatever, how you lay concrete, lay foundation. We're going to create a brand new foundation. The driveway is going to be different. Like everything about this thing is going to be different. The only thing that's going to be the same is the same piece of land. And then, <laughs> And and then my question was going to be, and then, so like, how would you go about doing that? How would you go about building it? Mm -hmm. Where I feel like I'm at is, I've cleared all this stuff out of the house, mm -hmm. and at least in this present moment, I'm not feeling driven. I'm not feeling anything. The house is fine. Right. I, you, you walk in my house and you're like... Yeah, you need a little more furniture in here, buddy. And like what you did over there in that room makes no sense at all. Like the, the you know, the structural integrity, the, the parallel being to beliefs here, really mm -hmm. doesn't add up and it's probably going to eventually collapse under its own weight. But I'm sitting in this house and I'm like, this feels good enough to me. I've, I've, I've taken out, you know... I had, uh, you know, one, one, one room where the attic was filled with mold and we, mm -hmm. you know, we remediated all the mold and we tore out the rotting floor and we put in something that's good enough. And mm -hmm. bottom line is I really have no motivation right now, given the other things going on in my life or interest to bring more stuff into the house. It, in other words, and it's not, it's not, let me be really clear. It's not that I'm like, don't want it to come in. It's just that it's just like, eh, it's, it's good enough right now. I don't feel any need to go to the store and go shopping or mm -hmm. do any more remodeling or any. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's where I'm at right now in my life. It feels fine. Right. Okay. Well, let, let me throw a couple questions before I, by way of answer, maybe, by way of answer, what would it be like if the idea of, however you want to phrase it, remodeling, 
developing, remaking, the house was as compelling as engaging in coaching. I'd be totally in. And that's the part that really kind of eats at me. <laughs> that's the part that eats at me when, it, yes. And, and yeah, kind of the, the, I don't know where we're going to splice this episode in, in terms of how it starts, because we just kind of started talking. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, that's, that's what, that's what makes me feel like a poser sometimes, I guess, with even what we're doing right now, which is, yeah, what if, I don't feel as engaged in my Christian search beliefs, whatever, as I do in this other area, mm-hmm. coaching. Mm-hmm. Well, and and again, I guess speaking to not feeling as engaged, I just wonder too if that's us you having a sense of uh, sitting back a little bit, right? I, I think sitting back is a good. F- uh, pose to be in when you've done a lot of work. You, you've you've worked awfully hard over the last couple of years. I mean, I, I will I will never ne- never forget when we were on a podcast, and I don't know when it was. It was in the fifties or sixties or something like that. Maybe the seventies. We're at episode one hundred and forty plus right now. Um. And you pulled out this phrase out of nowhere. You were talking about something and it was really ticking you off. And you said, yeah, and his amateur use of scripture. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was just striking to me that you use that because you've put in the time to understand what that might mean, right? You've got a sense of it. You're, you, you, you've, you've developed a number of skills and all of that takes some time and it takes a lot of effort. And so I wonder on the one hand, if you're looking at um, a moment where you can sit back a bit in terms of this, you know, uh, stronger, deeper, or, or more uh, focused development of your faith. And I wonder on the other hand, when you're looking at the need to reconcile, you've got life and lived experience and you've got faith and, and Christian beliefs, I wonder if what you're doing now is developing the other side which acts, I think, as a challenge to the whole faith piece. Hey, live up to this. Hey, here's something that is a standard. And I think that's valid. Now, I, not... <laughs> now you know what's so funny? There's another parallel. So the, the coaching model that I've been studying under is called coactive coaching. Mm-hmm. And there's co and active. Mm-hmm. Co, the, the co of the coactive is simply being. The active is actually doing something. And there's this dance and this balance that goes between the two where it really does need to be both. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you need more of one or the other, but Mm -hmm. it can't be all being in your head. Like being isn't really in your head so much as being is just being. Mm -hmm. But then there's also active. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and the active would be more of just doing, 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 and never just being. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think I think I have the sense that in the realm of Christianity, it needs to always be active. You it needs to always be moving forward. You need to always be doing something, because if you don't, you'll go backwards, and bad things will happen. Right. But if life relates, if faith relates to all of life, you are doing something relative to your faith when you're doing something in relative to your life. You're expanding your life based on your investment in coaching. And developing this skill set that you said you never knew you had, but that in some ways comes very naturally to you, right? How much more of a, how better of an analogy would you want to have relative to what you would like your face to be? Say more about that. Well, some people, if you, you know, I remember reading a story and it was an old, uh, I don't know, turn of the century uh, story. And the teacher was talking about in one room schoolhouse, talking about how different students had different abilities and gave one of the kids a baseball across the room and said, throw the baseball and hit the door handle. And he threw the baseball and hit the door handle. No, I couldn't do that maybe one out of 10 times, right? But that's a natural ability that that person have, has had. It, to the extent that you have something that on the one hand comes naturally to you, 
maybe I'm going to use three hands here. <laughs> in the first instance comes naturally to you. In the second instance, you you see the benefit of helping others through it, right? And 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 it gets me fired up. Yeah. Like nothing gets me. <laughs> I mean, I thought I had found parts of like my career and stuff that I love to do, but there mm-hmm. is no better way to start my day than like with a coaching session with someone, you know, from 6 a.m. to 7, and then I go to my regular job at 8. I enter that day with such different energy and enthusiasm and yeah. Fantastic. So I would look at that in two directions relative to, to Christianity or to your Christian faith. One is, what would it be like for that to be an analogy for your faith? And the other is, what would it be like for your faith to be like that, to be similar to that, right? We're engaging in some aspects of your faith is as uh, compelling and leaves you as energized as that. Well, and and I do know people that I would put yourself in that category and other, like in terms of when they talk about God, they get that energized and, or they are that driven or they spend that much time reading the Bible and they're not reading it because they're supposed to, they're reading it because they just like love to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and maybe there's an expectation. I, I, I wonder if part of dealing with your house and dealing with the terms of the house, if you switch the terms of the house, I wonder if it's the same thing or an, an example of that would be saying, you know what, I'm going to allow something in my life that is formative, compelling, and has significant meaning for me to inform my faith rather than always thinking my faith has to inform all these other things. So, Ooh, that's, I like that. So, so yeah, it's the other way around. Exactly. So when you're looking for not only it to reconcile, but I would say here to, to, to integrate, it, it's a back and forth conversation. And that conversation need not be in snippets. It could be maybe even in seasons. In terms of the, the, the size of the chunk of conversation that's offered from, from one direction, say life, to the other direction, which is faith, and vice versa, right? Typically, Christians want to think, it's always our faith informing life. No, it's not. That's not the idea. The purpose of the Bible is not just to tell you about God. It's to tell you about yourself, too. And then about how the two are meant to relate. And that's an interrelation, not a one-way relation. Right? And so that's so different. To read yeah, to read the mm-hmm. Bible to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would it what would it mean? Yeah, that would be totally <laughs> No, that's that's I mean, that would be I mean, I am the whole coaching thing I'm doing, it's helping me understand myself. It's helping me get to the mm-hmm. next level too. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's both and it's like, yes, I am helping people get clarity and get unstuck and move stuff forward in their lives that they haven't been able to. Awesome. Wow. That's like that that's awesome on its own, but it's also helping me do the same thing. Right. And and it sounds so much too like a lot of what we uh would value having occur through people engaging with the podcast. Right? Untangling stuff, diffusing stuff. And then considering life in a different direction, right? Maybe not in a wholly different direction, but you know that our tagline, considering uh, love and truth in Christianity. I don't know. Like, what would it mean for you when you read the Bible to read the Bible through the lens of coaching? You know, I don't think that's the only lens, but I don't think it's an invalid lens, right? And if it's something that's really got you stoked, that's really helpful to you and that you see having positive impact broadly, what would it mean to try that? What could you learn? Yeah, it's totally fascinating. See, I think every step that you're on here, it's, 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 I think it's just more steps. And, and then, <laughs> not, not that they're... I'm, I'm, I look at this and I just think, man, I'll be lucky to, like, <laughs> I'll be lucky to have really good clarity by the time I'm 95. <laughs> Well, yeah, but there's the question of expectations there too, right? And again, I think you've got awfully good clarity, but if I'm going to follow your, if I could use your analogy. So 
if 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 somebody has a house which is again using your house analogy it's comfortable to live in it's the right size the furniture is comfortable yet elegant the entryway is accessible yet secure and the views are striking and yet i'm not so exposed to the weather that i'm afraid of the structure or for this this the the kind of uh, safety of the house i think all of that takes a lot of time and i think part of the issue is that the very folks who claim to give us the blueprints sell us the furniture and instruct us on how to put this whole thing together are misguided mm that feels a lot that that sounds like a kinder delivery to me <laughs> Yeah, well, and I, I, we can, yeah, I guess misguided is the broad overarching. I think in some areas, I don't think they're misguided. I think they're on the money. In other areas, they're more than misguided. I think they're maybe self-deceived, right? Maybe more than maybe. I think mm. they're self-deceived. And, I, you know, and I can, I can be too, but I think our processes, for, again, for going through that, right? I've got a process with my furniture, I'm not going to let a piece of furniture in there as classy as it is sit there. If 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 every time folks come over and they sit down on it, they say, "Oh, gee, uh, next day I don't know what it was, but my back is killing me." <laughs> well, okay, my my chair's got to go because it's hurting people. You know, it's it's making them uncomfortable and ultimately causing problems. So, okay, if misguided works better, let's let's use misguided. But um, I just think overall that the expectations we should have in terms of time. We're moving from a format where everybody gets the same types of furniture and the house has to be like there's almost this kind of feng shui Christianity thing here with the way that we're <laughs> templated cookie cutters. And and I, I realize that there's there a are, right or wrong way to have a house. Oh, that's yeah, it. That's good. Yeah, I think I think so. I but think it's much more subtle. Well, yes, and some of it I would agree with, right? Some of the right and wrong of Christianity says. Have a house with a roof that doesn't leak. Have a house that's not built on a, on a foundation that's going to shift. I agree with those tenets. And yet, there are many ways of having a not leaky roof. There are many ways of having a sound foundation. And I think most of those that are provided through evangelical Christianity um, will leave us with houses that ultimately, if they work, they will have very high walls around them, and they will not allow anybody to come in who's from outside unless they come in in exactly the way that we say that they're supposed to. And I don't believe in that. Right? I want my house to be ready to welcome guests of many different sorts. Doesn't mean that I don't have a door, and that door doesn't have a lock. It does, and it's a strong door. But I'm going to be there, and I'm going to make sure the way is easy for them to find that door. And so I guess there's there's a lot of I don't know various ways we could we could enhance this analogy or or focus on different parts of it, but uh, I would just say that the expectations need to be reasonable, and maybe it's you're not at the point where you're buying your furniture anymore; you're making it. Oh, and you know what? You're getting good at it, but you're still making it. Yeah, I think I'm, <laughs> I feel like I've just started on the. I need to have ten chairs, and I have one leg for one of the chairs. Halfway started. <laughs> well, that's not fair, though. You've got a, you've got a, you've got a great, a great couch. You've got a coaching couch because you sit on it, and somebody else sits on it. And you know what? When you sit on it, you love that couch. And people, when they sit on it, they love that couch. I think you've got a couch. All right. <laughs> It's coaching. And I sleep somewhere every night, too, so that's good, Well, too. there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably bring this one to a close. Any thoughts or... I'm going to throw that to you. Any final thoughts? I really love this analogy or metaphor. And I use metaphor a lot in coaching. When when you, Especially when you discover a really good metaphor, mm -hmm. it often really 
makes the conversation rich and it it drives the topic deeper. And I feel like, I don't know how we discovered this house, but I really, well, it, it probably helps that we're remodeling two bathrooms right now and our house is a disaster inside. So, the, and, and there, there, two of the bathrooms are, where well, one of the bathrooms is completely down to the studs, which Whoa. I've never really seen before. It's quite, it's quite an interesting process. Um, so yeah, I really love this metaphor. There's probably a lot more. I was going to say, oh, where should we go next? I have no idea where we'll go next. So that will be as much of a surprise, I guess, to us as to everyone else. So I'm excited about it. I think there's lots of potential here. This is good. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Untangling Christianity podcast. A summary and resources for this episode are at our website, untanglingchristianity.com. If you'd like to join our private Facebook group or reach us by email, send your requests, questions, or even a simple hello to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license.